Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. In this section, we are going to be talking about building projects. And that really, that's what, what Peter is talking about to the people there. So I want to start today by talking about a building project. And the building project I want to talk about is the building project that Crosswalk is going, or we're undertaking right now. And that is, if you don't know already, we own land at 59th Avenue and Baseline. And it's an old driving range. And it is going to be our church, hopefully, by 2022, uh, by December of 2022 is, is what our hope is, what our target is. And we'll see if we are going to hit it. But really, with the building, I don't want to talk to you so much about building, the building, and that's why I didn't bring pictures today. But what I want to talk to you today with a building project is something that might even be more important than the building itself, and that is the question, why? Why do we need a building? We already have one. This is a very comfortable place. Uh, We're here at Chavez, and and maybe it's a little... uh, you know, of a hassle to set up every week, that we have many people who get here at 7 a.m. to make sure we're ready for the 9 a.m. service. It's a hassle to, uh, once we're done at 12.15, 12.30, to try to get out by 1 o'clock, 1.15. So in that way, it's maybe a little bit inconvenient, but it's really, in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that much time in a week, and it's probably less time setting up than it would be to do maintenance and upkeep on owning a property. Just, it is. So why? Why are we going to do it? And we have a list of those things. We've talked about them before, and the first one is a landmark. That the reason why why we want to have a building is that it's a, a place where we have a landmark. And I want you to think about that for a moment. That in the United States... If you were to think about government and where you would go for government, where do you think? Washington, D.C., right? And in Washington, D.C., one of the things that was painstakingly done by our forefathers is to make that city a landmark. And that's why, as you look at the different places in Washington, D.C., you have things like the, the White House and, and the Congress building, all of those things, all of them are ways that are a landmark, not only for our country, but for the world. And the message is, this is where the government is. This is where you would go. In our state, we also have state capitals and things like that. They are done for the express purpose of having a landmark so that when people go by or people see them, they recognize that is what it's for. And right now, when we are in Levine, Crosswalk does not have a landmark. When when people come by, they see this. This is Cesar Chavez High School. This is a landmark for education in Levine. And and when we're gone, the signs are gone, and, and there's no way for them to recognize that. So the first part that we said is we want to have a landmark. We want a place where 24 hours a day, seven days a week, people will know that is a place where we can go and and God's word is preached. Which brings us to the second purpose. And the second purpose is a lighthouse. 
And when you think about a lighthouse, it's probably one that most of us have never really had the need for a lighthouse before. But, but if you have ever seen a lighthouse and, and seen it, a lighthouse is a way that it points the way to a harbor, and a lighthouse also points out where the rocks are. And, and so it becomes a point of reference for people as they are on their journey that they see the light, the lighthouse guides them on where they can go to safety or to stay away from danger. And when you think about that, that's what we also do at, at Crosswalk as we think about the preaching God's word. Sometimes we also say strong in grace and strong in truth. And we want to be a lighthouse, a, a place where people can go to hear God's word to help them as they navigate through life as they hear the truth of God's word and the love of Jesus Christ. And finally, the final purpose that we have is that we want it to be a launch pad. And when you think in terms of a launch pad, if you've ever had an opportunity to go to uh, Cape Canaveral or, or any place where they have launched uh, astronauts into space, it's pretty exciting. And, and when they do those, there's daytime launches, but if you've ever seen a nighttime launch, that's a whole nother level of cool. And, and you watch them go up and you watch them go out, and it's an accomplishment not only for those who are going out, but also for those who are on the ground at mission control. And in this way, as we look at ourselves as Crosswalk, as a launch pad, we recognize that it's not just Levine and South Phoenix that we care about, but, but a launch pad that we're going to send people throughout the world, every place where people need to hear about Jesus, we are going to send people, we are going to train them, and we are going to send them out. So, this is the point. The point of this is when you have a building project, you need a purpose for it. That if we are not going to carry out these purposes of being a landmark lighthouse and launch pad, we might as well stay here. And, and even as we go through the building project, because the building project itself can be a little bit of a uh, distraction from ministry, that we need to remember the goal. We need to remember the why. Now, as we think about that, and I, again, following this idea that there's a building, there's always a building, there's always a purpose attached to it, I want to take you to another building project. And that is God had Solomon build a temple. And they built this temple at the time of Solomon, and then the temple was be destroyed, and then the temple was rebuilt. And there was a 40-year rebuilding project during the time right before Jesus was born and, and up and through Jesus' life. So this would have been something that Peter and the rest of the disciples would have seen a building project taking place, a refurbishment, if you want to call it that, of the temple. And this would have been the temple in, in Jerusalem. And now the question is, why? Why did God need a temple? Why did God want a temple for years? For years, they never had a temple during the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, way, way back before, and they lived by faith. They didn't need that. Even the children of Israel, when, when they lived, they had a tabernacle. They didn't have a temple. And it was actually David was the one who had it on his heart and went to the Lord and said, you know, I want to build this temple for you. And finally, the Lord allowed Solomon to build it, but 
It wasn't for the sake that God was like thinking, you know, I'm just sick of being mobile. I'm sick of having to be in a tent all the time. I don't like having to move around. It was never that idea. The purpose of the temple, first of all, was number one is for sacrifice. Every time the, the, the children of Israel would go to the temple, one of the things you need to remember is they never got to go in it. So, so you had this temple, and, and in the temple they had the most holy place where a priest would go once a year, and this is where they had the Ark of the Covenant. They would go in there once a year on the Day of Atonement to sprinkle blood on it so that when God looked at the blood of the sacrifice, he, he would forgive his people. And that's what went on in the temple all of the time. Anytime a person wanted to approach God, they had to think about the wrong that they had done, and instead of them being punished for their sins, they would need to bring a sacrifice. They would need to bring a burnt offering. They would need to bring a guilt offering. And through this, God was teaching them the concept of a substitute needing to die for their sins. And in this way, the temple, the, the sacrifice of the animals isn't what forgave sins, but rather the fact that it pointed ahead to the sacrifice that, that the Lamb of God, Jesus, the Lamb of God, was to make. But the point is, is that God had a building so that they, for the purpose of them learning that truth. The second thing, part of this building was, Jesus is the one who said this, that this is supposed to be a house of prayer. Maybe you remember, he had a little bit of an issue when he went in there and they were selling the doves and the pigeons and all the animals and they had made it into a market and he went in there and said, you've made this into a den of robbers to a den of thieves. And it's supposed to be a house of prayer. And what Jesus was pointing to is this truth that they had lost the purpose for which it was built and, and once you lose the purpose, this, this building in which God said he would reside, he was completely unhappy with if the purpose is lost. And then finally, a final purpose is, we can just use the word worship. That it is a place that we can go. It was a place that the people went to worship God. They went there a number of times a year. They didn't go there every Sunday. It was maybe someone once, twice, three times, they would make a pilgrimage there and it was a place where they could go and worship God. Now, okay, so we talked about the buildings, right? Here's the weird part. In about 60 AD, so this would have been about 30 years after Jesus, the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed and has not been rebuilt since. As a matter of fact, on the very site where the, the temple was, there is a Muslim mosque this, today. And at the base of it is a place called the Wailing Wall where Jews today go and they wail because the building is gone. Now, as Christians, we, we look at that and, and we can understand the purpose for that building of, of making the sacrifice to point ahead to Jesus, it's no longer necessary. And the reason why is because Jesus came into the world and instead of having to make these sacrifices to point ahead to what Jesus would do, Jesus did that on the cross. On the cross, what the temple pointed to, the sacrifice being made for the sins of the people was done once for all. The righteous 
for the unrighteous to bring you to God. So, if there's no longer a need for the building of the temple, we're at a weird place right now, then why do we need one? Why? Why are we doing this? And, and I gave the answers that, that we believe, the reason why we're building a building is because we believe that can be a tool that will help us in the ministry that is going on. But at the time that Peter was writing this to the people who were going through some misery, they were also going to go through, they, they had this attachment to this building and it was going to be destroyed. And, and it, would, it, it was probably beyond comprehension for them that such a holy place would be, would be ripped down and that place would become a, a place where they couldn't even go anymore. And that is why Peter used this as an opportunity to say, the temple is being ripped down, but God is doing another building project. And that building project is you. The, the foundation for the, the, the building project is going to be God's relationship with you. But even now, don't, by what you see and, and the destruction that is about to happen and the things that are taking place, don't let that fool you. There is a building project going on right now and it involves you. And here's the beauty of it, that even though there's not a building that you're going to be able to see, God's purpose, the purpose for the building and God's purpose for your life come right together. And in this, what you are going to see is God is building inside of you to do something that is incredibly beautiful. Maybe the first thing we need to realize when, when we have a building project is that there is a building project. Right now, if you were to drive by 59th Avenue and Baseline, you would drive by and you would say, there's nothing going on here and there's not a building project going on. And what I would challenge you to do is say that to John Schrader or Bob Freiberger and then duck. Because they would say, are you kidding me? Are, do you really? Do you realize how many hours we are sitting in planning meetings? Do you understand all of the planning that's being done for the road and, and the stoplight that is going to be there and the drainage and all of these different things? My goodness gracious, there is a building project going on right now and it is taking an incredible amount of energy and you need to be, be aware of that. And as a matter of fact, it could having a building project could not take place without what is being put in place right now. And that is what Peter is telling these people because as they look at their lives, they're not seeing it. All they are seeing is destruction and hurt and heartache. And, and they're saying, God must not be doing anything in our lives right now. And here is what Peter says. We start in 1 Peter 2, verses 6 through 8. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, 
a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. What's interesting about this portion of of 1 Peter is that he quotes three different portions of the Old Testament. And, And so as he's talking to them about this building project, really what he's saying is this shouldn't surprise you because the building project of God's church has been going on all the way back. And and he goes and he references Isaiah, and he references David's words from the Psalms as well. And, And so when he says to them, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame, he's quoting. He's quoting this and saying, see, you should know about this this building project. And during the Old Testament, at a time when you thought not a lot was going on, that you thought God, God was not active, I'm telling you that there was incredible amount of planning that was going on. All of the things necessary that God needed to get in place so that when Jesus came into the world, when his son came into the world, all of these things were going to happen. And so the... the the centerpiece of God's building plan was Jesus Christ. And so whenever you read the Bible, whatever you read in the Bible, it always goes back to and ties back to Jesus and the sacrifice Jesus would make for sin and what Jesus needed to do as he lived his perfect life and and died on the cross and rose again. All of it, all of it, all of it, all of it revolves around Jesus Christ And so as we look at our lives and the building project God has in store for me and for you, our lives also must center and rotate around what Jesus has done. The Bible actually uses the word stone in this, three different ways it uses it in the Bible. One of them is the cornerstone. And we don't have cornerstones like this anymore. The cornerstone would have been the first stone in the very corner and, and what they would do is that would be the, the stone on which the rest of the building was built. And so that stone needed to be a, a perfect square, a perfect cube, in order for the walls to both come out from the sides of it and to go up in a straight way. And so maybe the way to describe this is if, if we have people here who ever do any building and you've ever had to go to Home Depot and find a straight two-by-four, <laughs> if you ever watch, you can just sit there and watch builders throwing them. And they're crooked, 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 crooked. And so all of these get thrown off to the side until finally, okay, now I can use this one, right? And, and that's the picture that it's used is that finally... It's not people doing that, but it's God doing that, of God picking up Jesus Christ. And it's really what he did at his baptism when he says, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. That is God saying, I finally found the two by four. I finally found the cornerstone. And now I'm going to put it down here and everything that I do is going to be built off of that. A second picture of a stone, so that's the cornerstone. The second picture of the stone that is used is a capstone. And the capstone is different from a cornerstone. The the capstone would be when you have an arched doorway, and the capstone would be that center stone that has to be the unique cut in order to keep the walls from falling in on each other. So, So you build the walls up, and finally that middle stone keeps it from caving in. 
And I think that's also a beautiful way of, of, of looking at Jesus and what he does for our lives, that he keeps us and our lives from falling in on itself and, and from caving in. And again, he does that through his, his work that he came into this world through his purpose of being our savior. Finally, it says that Jesus is also, as he is this in our building project, he is also a stone that people trip over and they fall over it. And what they trip over, I, I would say probably the best way to describe it, that people trip over with Jesus, people like the idea of Jesus, that, that most people you run into wouldn't say that Jesus was like a bad guy, but they do not like the fact that you would say they are, that, that they have sinned, that they would need a savior. And that becomes the tripping point of Jesus. The tripping point of Jesus as a savior is to know and believe that you need one. So in this, we see how some then love Jesus and see him as precious, the only way to heaven, and others hate him and, and don't want anything to do with him and trip over him. In the blank, you can write, our purpose in life has its foundation on Jesus. Our entire faith and life and purpose are built on him. I'll just stop there one more time and just, this is a plea. This is a plea to you that to the extent that you build your life on something else, you are going to find misery and you are going to have building projects that that are houses of cards that continue to fall in. Because you can build your life on something other than Jesus. You can build it, build it on your work ethic. You can build it on your ability. You can build your life on your education. You can build it on things that you've inherited from your rich uncle, whatever. There are so many different things that you can build your life on other than Jesus. And I think one of the things, the warning here is that even for Christians who say, yes, Jesus is my cornerstone, that we have other things that, that we try to sneak in there, other rocks, that we say, no, I want it to be this way. And it's just a warning, again, to do that. Okay, we continue. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 and 5. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the stone, but now he says, okay, so now you come to him, Jesus is the living stone, that now you too are like stones. I want you to think about that for a minute, and, and here's why. Do you know what Peter's name is? Peter's name is Simon. His name is not Peter. He, he, his name is Simon, but he was given the name Peter by Jesus. And if you remember when it was, it was a time where Peter made a confession of faith and, and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's when Jesus said, your name is Peter, and on this rock, the rock of the confession of your faith of me as the Savior, 
On this faith, I'm going to build my church. On this cornerstone that I am the Savior, the truth that Peter had just said. So Peter means what? Rock. And I find it interesting here that he says, you know what, Jesus called me rock? You're rock. Every one of us here, the nickname can be rock. And even more interesting to me is that in this, in this account, Peter doesn't use the word Petrus, which means rock, like his name is. He uses a, a different Greek word, which is lithos, which means like a stone. And I think he did it for two reasons. Number one is he wanted to make sure that he wasn't saying, you are being little Peters just like me. Because then it would have given the impression that the church was built on Peter. And he's like, no. So don't be little, don't be little Peters. Rather be living stones, be Christ-like. That's why we call ourselves Christians, that we are built on what Christ has done for us. So that's number one. The second reason I, I believe that he chose the word lithos is that they are stones, and he, he chose that as opposed to bricks. And I want you to think about that. If you've ever seen a fireplace that's a stone fireplace, that when you look at a stone fireplace, and if you've ever seen anyone who's done it and, and made one of them, they have, what they do is they lay the stones out. And then they look at them, and then they go, and it's, it's like a, a, a little puzzle that they're putting together. Each stone, very unique, very different, having its place so that as they're making this chimney or whatever they're making, has a very specific purpose and a place that it goes. And as we look at each person here, you are a stone in that you are very unique, each of us with, with different gifts, different abilities, and how God puts these together, and, and what is he putting them into? He's putting them into a, a temple, a spiritual building, and why is he making a building? For a purpose, and that's the purpose he makes clear right there. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Peter is telling these people who are going through difficulties that even though it looks like we're going through a demolition project, this is actually a building project. And in the midst of this building project, you are part of it. And what's, being happen and what's happening at this very time is God is, has laid the foundation in Jesus. And even though you don't realize it, what's happening now is the foundation of a building is being built that you're part of that, that is going to accomplish God's purposes. And I think if they were given the opportunity to look ahead 2,000 years they would see the building project that God had in mind was more wonderful than they could have ever imagined. I wonder what it would be like if you would have told them, if God would have given them for a moment, he said, I'm going to let you at the, the nine o'clock service at, at Crosswalk, I'm gonna let you peek behind the curtain and I'm gonna let you see people who thousands and thousands of miles away 
who have a completely different ethnic background than you, a completely different, they, that you don't even know who they are, they're in no way descendant, the only thing that they have in common with you is they are stones being built together that God is accomplishing his purpose. And that is that more and more people are going to know about Jesus Christ, that God is going to bring people into his family and into his household. And they are going to be priests, a kingdom of priests. Remember this, all these people couldn't be priests. Only Levites could be priests. So now he's saying, not only are you the temple, but you're the priest. You get to do the work. You get to approach God and serve him in so many different ways. And the next passage from 2 Corinthians 8 verse 5 says, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. That if you want to think about the sacrifices you offer as a priest, you offer yourself. You say, Lord, here I am. Here I am to serve. Here I am to to accomplish the purpose of your building. We turn the page. In the blank, you can write, God has made his people into a community. Into a community, into a church. It, It shows this bond that we have together. We, everyone here today is connected who will worship him with acts of service. Don't miss the two words there. Why has God made you? What he has made you, what is he has made you into this spiritual household. He's brought you into a community of believers, but why does he do it? So that you worship him and you serve him and others. Think about that as you think about the purpose for your life, because then it, the question, it begs the question, how am I worshiping God on a daily basis? Paul said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Every single thing you do when you are conscious of God is worship. And then service. What am I doing? What am I doing in my life? Understanding who I am, understanding what God has done for me, understanding that I'm, my identity as a child of God, my destiny of going to heaven, how does that affect the reason I'm living today with purpose? How am I serving? We continue, but you, notice, now he goes back to identity again, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Go to those words, they're so beautiful, but God has made you a chosen people. The, the people would have said, no, we're not, we're, we're scattered, we're foreigners, we're aliens, we're, we're being beat up and it's horrible. And, 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 and Peter's telling them, no, that's not reality. The reality is you are a chosen people. The next is that you are a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. I don't know if you understand how, how unique and incredible that is to say a royal priesthood. That's like the person who one day said, I have vanilla ice cream and Oreos. What if I put the Oreos with the ice cream? How cool would that be? Or the person who said, I have peanut butter and chocolate. What if I put them together and I made like a Reese's peanut butter cup? That, and people are like, wow, that's incredible. 
That's what he's saying when he says a royal priesthood, because you were either the king or the priest. You were either King David or, or you were Aaron the high priest. There, there was no, that was the separation of government, prophets, priests, and kings. And now what he's saying is that now Christ has come, you are a royal priesthood, that you have all the benefits of blessings of all of God's blessings all of the time. And for them, it would have been, it would have been unbelievably humbling to hear that and exciting at the same time. Again, a holy nation, you have citizenship. Your citizenship is in heaven where God rules and God's special possession. We're told that he, he writes his name on our hands and, and on our feet. That when people see that, they say, yeah, that they belong to God. God's possession, all of these different things. And, and notice, God has done this. What's the purpose? That you may declare the praises of him. It goes back to worship, but it's also reaching out. In the blank, you can write, when I praise God for all that he has done for me, I reach out to those who don't know him. Have I told you today how great my God is? Have I told you today everything that God has done for me? Have I told you today about my identity as a child of God and my destiny of going to heaven to be with him someday and what that means for the purpose of my life as I live for him? I am blessed beyond comprehension by God in a spiritual way. The final two, 2 Peter 1 to 3, and, and this makes a little bit of a sandwich. It's the first verse and actually the last verses. It says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And then later, very similar words, it says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. When something is not used for the purpose for which it was made, it can be not good, or it can be a travesty. So when, uh, so when today I was working on a vehicle this morning that the battery went dead, and I couldn't get the, the cables off of the battery, I used everything in my toolbox to do it. And so I'm banging on it with all different kinds of things, and I really wasn't thinking about how I was going to get the new one back on but it's, it's out, that's good. But you look at that and you say, dude, why are you using your pliers to beat on your battery? That just makes no sense. Get the proper tool and do it the right way. But now I want you to think about it a different way of something not being used for the purpose for which it's made. What would you think of if we built our church in five, that we're there in 2022, and in 2027, we sold it? that someone offered us $15 million because it's a great place for a strip club. And that building that you made would be perfect for it. <laughs> Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and every kind of slander. I urge you as foreigners and aliens, 
to abstain from sinful desires. I'm telling you, you kind of laugh about that because you're saying that would never happen. We would never let that happen. You let that happen every day. You are the temple of God. You are the building. You are the one made with a specific purpose. And now I want you to think about how you live your life, about the things that come in your mind, the things that come out of your mouth, the things that you do with your hands. That when you do not live with the same purpose, it, it, Peter is saying that to him is as laughable as the idea that you would build a building for the purpose of being a church and then use it for something completely different from what it's meant for. And that's what we do. So what he says is, don't do that. And the way that you do that is remember your identity. You are a child of God. Notice, so that by you may grow up like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, you need to grow up. And that is also part of the building project. The building project in your life is for you to grow up. And part of growing up is to recognize what is right and wrong. Part of growing up is to, to get self-control, enough to say, we recognize when we grow up, self-control means no one has to tell me when to go to bed now. No one has to tell me when I, when I have to go to work or not. I'm a big boy, I can make those decisions because I'm grown up. And so are you grown up? Are you growing up in your faith? And a good way to ask that question is, am I living out the purpose for which Jesus Christ, my chief cornerstone, came into this world to make me into his building to do? Because I believe the answer to that is also yes. Because we do worship him. And we thank God. We declare his praises. We do serve. We do learn his word. We do continue to grow. We do all of these purposes. Crosswalk is a church that is built on these truths and on this foundation. And so my encouragement for you is to live it out. In the blank, you can write, God wants me to grow up. God wants me to grow up in my relationship with him. I will make choices of diet and exercise. So I'm gonna, what comes in and, and then what I do that support my faith. Crave pure spiritual milk, diet, grow up, exercise, do these works of love and service. It is my hope and my prayer today that you begin to look at yourself and the people next to you differently than when you came here. That you recognize that there is a building project going on that, that sometimes you lose sight of. At Peter's time they did, but it doesn't mean that it's not true. God is building in, inside of you in ways that you might not even recognize right now. Maybe the groundwork is being laid, but remember there is a purpose for your life and that purpose revolves around him. It rests on him, your cornerstone. And every day as you remember your identity and your destiny of where you're going, don't forget to live out your purpose as well. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you have given us the blessing of a life with purpose. Because as we live now and, and we recognize what you've done for us, the fact that you've made us your children and, and you, you use so many terms to describe this wonderful relationship, Lord, let that fuel us. Let your love fuel us to live out the purpose of, of our lives. Help us to do acts of service, to live in, in Christian love, and to declare your praises to anyone who will listen. 
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Probably a portion of the message I didn't stress maybe enough is the idea of the togetherness of a building. If, if you go by a building site, you will see pallets of stones, you'll see pallets of shingles, you'll see pallets of all these different kinds of building materials, but they remain just building materials until they're brought together. And when they're brought together, then you have the building, and then you have the purpose now that can be done. And as you go from here today, it, it's easy to take a message like this and look at it as yourself, as an individual, and you should do that. But there's also a component of this to look for togetherness. Uh, how do we do this together? How, do we, how are we this building? And so it can be through groups. It can be through ministry teams. It can be through community things. It can be through things like trunk or treat or, or whatever it is. But the final encouragement I, I encourage you to do today is just do this together for the mutual encouragement, joining together to be the beautiful building that God has made you to be together. And now as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great day.